tonight. Um, we have stuff to do with the promise covenants and things that has a lot to do with that. As we trust in God's promises, as we trust in um, what God, I can't think of anybody better that can model that in scripture, um, better than Jesus. And, and it's the first covenant that they really get to dive in and look at tonight.
these stories are still coming, but the impact that it's having in this world. And so there's this sense there is a God out there. And yet when he becomes very personal to David, which I, I think that I think if you look at the Old Testament, you get this God is very impersonal himself. And this is specifically in the Psalm of David. You can see God in this whole covenant that he extends a relationship with him. So so we're gonna take a look at let's look let's look at this covenant. And, and what it is, but first let's look down with what, what exactly God is promising. And, and so, so th- there are five things that, it, that, that God kind of sets the groundwork into that. The very first one, it says, um, you know, he tells him to go out, leave your father, leave this land that you've known. Okay, and, and again, this wouldn't be a, a problem for us today because generally we move, we travel, and we go. Um, but there was a time where you was like born got married and you died in the same town. You didn't leave home. Like the farthest anybody went was maybe like 20 miles from your home. As far as I can walk probably and, and carry something. Um, so this is a big deal. God's saying, I want you to leave everything um, that you have. I want you to leave you know, this, this safety that you know and this home that you know. And if you're going to, to a house or an arrangement, you don't know some of those things are going to change. Um, and so the very first thing he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. Okay. Um, I'm going to build something out of you that the world has never known and will never see again. Okay, I, I'm going to do this. And at this time, Abram had his wife, Sarah, or Sarai. Because, um, again, the name, God changes their names later. Um, they don't have any kids. Um, Abram's doing pretty good. I mean, as far as we know, we can say he's probably like pretty well off. His dad had some cattle stuff, and back then, the, the biggest thing for you to be known as a wealthy person was to have offspring. It had to be a line or someone to pass on sons and stuff. And um, Sarah wasn't having any kids, and Abram is a testament to Abram that he put up with her a bit because he could have said, "I'm going to get me somebody else. I'm going to get my wife somebody else." But God says, "No, but he loves her, and he is he takes his promise out." This idea that I, I believe Father has a God promises to provide. But I think God has a desire to also bless. The idea of blessing is something more than you can imagine. And Abraham ended up being a pretty rich guy. Um, he had lots of cattle. I mean, so much. He had lots of livestock. He had lots of servants and everything. And, and so much to the fact that him and Lot, like it was too big. They had to separate. And God, God blessed him. And, and, and as Abraham was obedient and following, God said, I'm, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to enlarge what you have. And, and, and I think God does that. And I know that God does that for some people. And, and, and for a lot of people, God blesses us all. But I think he blesses us for a simple reason, that he wants us to be a blessing to others. And, and we'll see that later on in this promise. Okay, but it's this thing that God's saying, look, I've got, I'm not going to make you more. I want you to have more. third part he says i'm going to make you a great name you know i will bless you i will make your name great um that's a huge deal especially in america too again we don't think about names you know i we named our 
daughter, um, you know, when we were Saturday morning, guys stood out the back door and they said, we even yell like all in one breath. I said, that is the name. So we went through names, and literally, I went to the back door and yelled, Alexis Megan Hebner, that will work. Emily Caitlin Hebner, yes, I can say that with authority, and I can spit it all out. It kind of rolls off the tongue. But that's really kind of the thought that we go through, like, oh, this is someone I can name. Man, your name was everywhere. There, there wasn't lawyers, and there wasn't contracts, and there wasn't any background stuff. It was just your name. And I said, I'm going to name two of them. I'm going to build a character. That's going to go on, and that name will go on. And now, you know, it's the nation of Israel. It's from they they carry from Bula to you know Abraham is known in the Jews in the Middle East as the father of this faith. In fact, the Muslims consider him the father of their faith. And that you have this name, you can't go anywhere in the Middle East and not know the name Abraham. In fact, it's an honored name to give to a child. Both Jewish and Muslim, and, and, and so um, God says, "Okay, I want to. Not only do I make you something bigger than you are, I'm not going to give you more than you have, but I'm going to leave a legacy with you. I'm going to build a legacy." And and, and then the the next thing is, I, He said, "I want you to be a blessing." Um, and, and I love this because I believe with all my heart, God blesses us that we would be a blessing to other people. that God has just blessed, and they have no idea what to do with it. We, we had a friend when we lived in Melbourne, we lived for one month, no one knew what to give him for his birthday. He had his own candy shop, you know, and he owned a car lot in Melbourne, and so they built him a Vicky golf cart course on, on his property, and I'm just like, what, what do you give this guy? But I also remember having meetings with him, because I, I kind of looked at those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. And so this, this moves on with the idea um, of um, the nation of Israel, this great name that he's going to build. Because there is, a, if you go through the New Testament, there's a judgment in Matthew that talks about the sheep and the goats. Have you ever heard about the sheep and goats? They were the sheep, you know, we didn't know you were hungry. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and gave me something to drink. I was thirsty and whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done it unto me. Or you haven't done it for my goat. That judgment in Matthew that is going to happen is not about us doing like nice things. It is about how we treat Israel. How we have treated and have come along God's chosen people. And that, by the way, that's never changed. There was a group of people for a time who said, well, the United States, now we're God's chosen people. No, we're blessed by God, but it has always been the seed of Abraham. It's always been the seed of God. And so it talks about that there comes, there's going to come a reckoning of how people treated Israel, how they treated Because, again, it's the idea of, like, uh, we treated Israel like how we treated Abraham, who's the father. And so how we have honored these people will be blessed by. But if you cannot back from it, we, 
rejecting the Lord Jesus. And so it's a big deal. So we get this covenant that all kind of comes together in this chapter 12, but when you look at it, it's still kind of vague. Well, how are you going to do this? What does this actually look like? Um, I, I just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And so I think that's how God works. In fact, I believe that's how God works in my life. He kind of gives us a grand picture. He says, okay, here's, here's kind of the big picture. And then as we grow in understanding going on, as we understand more about him, it becomes a little bit more specific. And, and we see that in this, in this covenant. And, and so it starts with this picture of Abraham, go, you know, go to this land that you don't know. I'm going to send you there. When you get there, I'll tell you. But when you do this, it's like I'm going to bless you. I'm going to use a great name out of you. You're going to be a blessing to everyone on this planet. And all the earth will be blessed because of you. By the way, again, where did Jesus come from? He was a Jew. So that blessing is fulfilled when Christ returns, you know, when Christ came. That out of this nation that was born out of Abraham's obedience, all the earth will be blessed through that. Um, He's given an opportunity to know God. And so that this is a great story. This covenant is important because every other covenant hinges on this. look at it, every covenant that we see from here on out, all the way through the New Covenant, builds upon this covenant. And we talked a little bit that there are some little other covenants. We talked about the Noah covenant. The Noah covenant was the, I'm not going to flood the earth to your granddaughters. Uh, we talked about that, that, you know, this covenant of creation that God created us and that we need. But this is the covenant that sets the stage for all the rest of the out of this, you can see why everything else happens from, from the Moses and the Israelites in Egypt to David and the kings and the judges to the prophets to Christ coming to Christ's return to fulfill all these things. It all hinges. This is kind of the pen that everything rotates around this covenant. And so as it's going, so he gives this promise of this is the covenant, you know, you know and, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to bless you, I'm going to show you. Um, this great nation. And, and so as they're going, God starts defining it a little bit more. It's like, okay, we're going to be a great nation, but you know, God, where are we going to be? This is great because everyone at this time, pretty much all the people at this time were nomadic people. You know, they, they just kind of traveled around and they went from place from oasis to oasis and, and they just went wherever the grass was green and the water was fresher. That, that's kind of where they went. Everyone was a nomad pretty much at this time. No one had like a set. We didn't have like a great city state and things yet. The empires yet. That that hasn't come on the scene yet. And so this idea like how do you build a nomadic people? Well if you're gonna have if you're gonna be a nation, you've got to have a place to be a nation. And so <coughs> through Abraham's obedience and through these promises, God starts revealing more about this. Let's turn over to chapter thirteen. Verse 14 and 15 says, Abraham goes out. He takes his nephew with him, which is always interesting because remember he says, go out from the land, your relatives and your father's house. God's basically saying, Abraham, just leave. Get away from your family because I've got some stuff for you. And he takes Lot. And we always like, well, Abraham, why are you special? But Abraham didn't always follow to the letter what God had said. He took Lot, and that caused problems later on for him. And, and, and the 
truth is, I, I love this because the Bible shows us that we as a people are kind of dumb. There's nobody in here except Jesus that's perfect, that does everything exactly the way it's supposed to be. So even Abraham, the father of Israel, the father of this nation, the one that God blessed, you know, it, he, he takes Lot with him. And so after a while, their, their, their herds are growing. God is blessing. He's keeping his promise. The wealth is growing and the, the nutrients and everything. And so it's becoming a little contentious again. And so in verse 14, we look at it. And so they decide, we're going to split ways. And Abraham, being the really nice guy he is, is like, Lot, you choose. So Lot's like, ooh, that's extreme. You know, uh, Elijah, that looks like it's an order. We're going to go that way. By the way, Lot ended up near a town called Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> Vegas looks pretty from the distance. But once you get there, it's not as pretty as you thought it was. And that's exactly what happened to Lot. He's a warning to us that don't let your eyes be the judge of your direction. And sometimes the things that too good to be true, they're a really deal. That was my problem this week with these cars. We like left, and I'm, I'm sitting here looking at cars like, But don't, don't just trust your eyes. Trust God to lead them. And so they decided to separate. And so in verse 14, we see, and after Lot separates from him, the Lord said to Abraham. And I love this. After Abraham is even more rebuked, God reveals to Abraham this. This is what he says. Look from the place where you are. Look north and south, east and west. For I will give you and your offspring forever all the land that you see. He's basically like, look all around. Abraham, this is yours. This, remember that nation I'm going to build out of you? This is going to, this is home base. This is going to be your land. Okay. And, and the sad part is, is the Israelites never owned all the land that they needed. They never, even when Joshua took them in, they never conquered a country that they deserved to conquer. I mean, today, if you look at what Israel is, I mean, nothing compared to like that time when they were first living. It's tiny. It's a little, it's amazing. I mean, that is God's blessing and God's protecting that that place is still here. Because, I mean, it is, it is tiny, but it's supposed to be, I mean, it's supposed to go from like Egypt on. It, you know, God says, look, it's everywhere. Look all around. This is going to be yours. But it's interesting, God reveals that and makes us a little bit more lenient than Lot would have been. So not only this place going, but so a lot of time goes by, and they're in the land, and Abraham's growing and everything, and in the back of his head, he's like, I'm going to make a great nation. Kind of means I need a kid. You know, how is, how is this going to happen? And so in the midst of this pause, in the midst of this trouble, God even comes over and he starts calming some of their doubts that Abraham had. And here's Abraham, this great patriarch of the faith. He's, a, he's in Hebrews 11. He's a hero of the faith. And yet, he still has doubts. And we have to remind ourselves that all these people are just like you and me. There's no difference. There's no problem. Go a little bit farther over to chapter 15. Um, Abraham has to go rescue Lot in 14. Because Lot is in trouble. Um, and he chooses 
not to, um, Abraham chose not to take the spoils from the pile. I don't want him to, that Sodom and Gomorrah is trying to make a deal with him. And even then, Abraham's like, no, I'm not going to associate myself with that kind of stuff. And, and this is, by the way, this is just a quick side note, little rabbit trail. This is where we're introduced to this idea of Melchizedek. See, Melchizedek is the priest of Salem. He's basically Jerusalem. This is the city that's, this town that's always really been there. We don't know anything about Melchizedek, but in Hebrew, Jesus is mentioned as the priest acted on Melchizedek. We don't know where he came from. He has no beginning, there's no end. He's always been in Jerusalem. And so just when you hear that name said, that's where he's come from, right? But look at, look at verse 1. It says, he said to him, because after the events, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. Well, you've got to wonder if Abraham's saying, man, let me just spend some time with God. I don't really, I never knew what God was like. I never, I mean, I've heard, I've never seen anything like that. And this is what Abraham, but Abraham says, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. My servant is the heir of the house. I don't have a kid. He says, now the word of the Lord came to him, verse 4. This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. So he took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars. If you're able to count them. And he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. So again, a little bit more clarity. I'm going to make you a great nation. And when you do that, you're going to be very powerful. You can trust me. You can trust that I'm going to crown your loins clean with glory. Just please pray me. Please pray me. Okay, and so even in the midst of these promises, and and for all of us, I, it, it, there's not a time that we don't doubt this. There's not a time where the world just becomes like an enduring. Man, I, I want you to take my job. <laughs> because it, it does press in the things that, the dreams that God has given us, the visions and the things for our lives. And we know the directions that God has called us. So often it feels like it's just a push up hill. that anyway <laughs> by the way uh, because in 16 he could have served Haggai and, and Ishmael and even Abram would have uh, just stared at him like okay well I've got an idea let me help God along with this I'm going to give you my handmaid right <laughs> and Hagar was around and Hagar started having difficulty with Abram's eldest son Isaac and by the way that's the Jews and the Arabs that could that many on there have always hated each other in fact if you ask a Muslim Who's the promised grandkid? They're like, it's Hagar. Who's the promised grandkid? Esau. Because that's, that's why he hated Isaac so much. Or, or Ishmael, excuse me. Disobedience causes lots of problems. Maybe not for us so much, but for anybody who lives out there. The entire Israeli Arab conflict today that's going on in the Middle East is that disobedience. Abraham said, okay. So, um, 
see all this? You see that game where he's like, okay, this is really, really cool. And then he just promises to say, okay, you told me to leave. You said you're going to be a blessing and do that. So what's that like? Oh, you're giving this land. You're giving this place where there's going to be ton of worship, ton of scripture. And you're going to give me a boy. You're going to give me a son. And it's like, and he's doing all this. And then later on, Jesus comes to Abraham and says, struggling with you? God comes down and says, no, son, I'm going to confirm this by you. And we talked about this last week. And that's why now we're going to do it. So look at verse 17. Um, you know, this is the chapter where um, God says, all right, listen, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for you. And I'm going to make a covenant with you. Uh, and, and verse, uh, verse, look at verse 17. It says, so when the sun had set and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided angels. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, Abram, saying, I give this land to your offspring, and the brook of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates, the land of Kenites, the Kizites, Canaanites, Hephites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, all the Shites, Jebusites, Girgashites, and all that's in them. This is, this is all going to be yours. And, and remember, we talked about this last week, the idea that the word covenant literally means cut. And so basically what had happened is God said, listen, um, to show you that this, this is true and this is, this is what's going to happen, what I want you to do is take, take a bull, cut him in half, you're going to set him on your side, and you're going to put them in your garden, and then I'm going to show back up. And so that evening, it says, you know, when the sun set, Abram goes into a sleep, and he sees this fire pot and a flaming torch that passes between the divided angels. That was a general standard for a covenant. If you made a covenant with somebody, you took an animal, you cut it in half, you put it in it, and you walked through the middle of it. Okay, we talked about this last week. And the idea is as you walk through it, you were saying, listen, if I don't keep my part, if I don't do what I say I'm going to do, may this happen to me. But if you notice here, and I noticed this um, a few years ago that I was studying this, and I never really understood this until that moment, that it is just God walking through the parts. It is God, Abraham, it doesn't say Abraham got up, it says that through the fire pot, a flaming torch, it's the semblance of God's presence, his being, he is here and passing the divided angels. Literally, God is saying, listen, if I don't do what I say I'm going to do right now, right here, may this happen to me. And so this covenant, out of all the covenants that he's done, and you see, there's really kind of, there's two types of covenants. Um, this is a unilateral covenant. This is, this is one that God says, listen, I am bound to fulfill this. No matter what you do, no matter what your people do, your sons and your ancestors do, and, if, and I know how stupid they're going to be and how many times they're going to turn from me, I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to fulfill what I am bound to fulfill. In fact, there, there's a passage in here in Hebrews where God swears. And you ever hear someone like, I swear to God? I swear to God I'm going to do that. I make an oath. And basically I make an oath. God literally swears upon his own name. So instead of swear to God, God's like, I swear to myself, because there's nothing higher. There's no greater authority than, than, than God himself. Um, there, there's no one greater than that. And so he makes this promise, and he's like, I'm bound to fulfill it. Now, when we look at Mosaic Covenant, there's, there's conditions. It's a covenant, but it's conditional. You know, it's we are a blessing to the curses. It says, if you keep my commandments and do them, you're going to be blessed. And if you don't, you're going to be cursed. And so there's this part that we have to play in. But in this very first covenant, it is unilateral. It is God saying, listen, I'm going to do what I'm saying to do. 
single human being. The only difference is that the first part of it is that it took faith. Of Abraham to have faith in his mother and to have faith in God and to participate in this blessing. That's why Abraham and Jesus talk about more about our personal faith. It encounters him faith. It encounters his faith. It encounters him righteousness. It's him saying, God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. You're going to give me a son. And you're going to do all of this. And you promised me. And Abraham didn't live to see this great nation. He, he didn't get to see. In fact, God told him to, at the end of his life, he said, listen, in 400 years, you're going to go to a land they don't know. And you're going to be sojourning. And when Yusuf comes, the mold will shape you. And you're going to see that next year. And you're going to be there. Like, I'm going to create this nation for you. And I'm giving you order and law. And you're not going to see this. But Abraham said, no, I'm going to trust that you will take me there. But Abraham trusted. He was able to participate in this blessing. Even as Abraham says, I don't believe this, it's not going to happen. God says, I trust you. I'm going to do for you. He has plans in your life. He has things that you are struggling with and facing. And one thing that's for sure is that God will bring you this very story. If you come to a faith in God that's right and you put your faith in Him, that God is going to complete the process of making you and forming you and I into His image and Son. Whether we will willingly or not, God will complete that process of righteousness. process happens with Abraham. The very first thing is God promises. Remember in verse chapter 12, he's like, listen, go, I'm going to make you a blessing. And I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. I'm going to make your faith numerous. And, and, and there's this promise of it. It moves from just a promise to a covenant. And it formalizes promise. God's like formalizing right there in chapter 13. Like it's like, okay, this is going to happen. No matter what you do, whatever happens with everything else and all that stuff, this is going to happen. I'm going to keep my covenant. I'm going to make sure this happens. This great nation, this covenant starts, this blessing to the whole world. It, it's going to happen. He makes it. He turns it into a covenant. And then at the very end, God brings Jesus. He's the big thing about this. Jesus, no doubt, is going to happen. Look at Genesis chapter 22. Abraham again in faith says, all right, I'm going to do 
believe with all my heart and Hebrews kind of mentions this, that Abraham literally had the thought in his head that if I do put this knife through my son, God has to go, he's made a covenant. He made a promise. He's going to do it. And so I don't think there was ever a moment where Abraham doubted. By this time, he was sure God was going to do it. But look at verse 16. told you this, this is what God said. Um, he, he had stopped Abraham. Abraham had the knife. Can you imagine being Isaac right there? Talk about daddy issues right there. Like, Dad, this is crazy. You've been waiting your whole life for me. What are you doing with the knife, daddy? <laughs> and he stood there, and Abraham, and even on the way up, Isaac saying, there won't be a sacrifice for, for, for you, Abraham. There will be sacrifice for you. Whoa, stop. I have no belief in this God. I'm not going to do that. And then all of a sudden, verse 16, it says, and this is God speaking to Abraham, said, by myself I have sworn, this is the Lord says to Abraham, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as many as the stars of the sky and your family will be blessed. Your offspring will be such as the eagles of the heavens and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring. Breaks. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, how many times have you had something and the warranty like the warranty makes its life better? There's no warranty that makes your life better. It's the guarantee that you need to go back and get it. And it's it's one of those like you have a money back guarantee, but you have this relationship with Jesus that says, Dad, I will take care of you. Abraham, throughout his life, he did a lot of stupid stuff. 
There's this time he goes to Egypt, and he's nervous that they're going to kill him because his wife's pretty. And so instead of saying it's his wife, he's like, no, that's my sister. And it almost causes Pharaoh to sleep with his wife. And so God intervenes, like, you do that, there's going to be consequences. And Pharaoh gets mad. He looks at Abraham and says, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? You're going to sleep with stuff. He lies, and, and he doesn't always do 100% follow through. He gets a lot of there for, for the whole thing with Hagar. That's what I mean with the story. Like, he's not perfect. You and I are not perfect. We fall in broken pieces. <coughs> God is not. God receives his glory when we add him to it. You know, through this entire time, as, as we see it, the covenant never changed. All the way back in Genesis 12, that first time when he called them, he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. And it never changed. What happened is the more obedient Abraham was, the more defined Abraham became. That's what happened with us. I think this is what Jesus is really talking about. Those that are faithful and faithful with a little and give a lot. Because if you're being faithful, God's not going to stop you at that point. Like, okay, you don't give this much, but I'm going to give you this. I'm giving you responsibility. I'm giving you more responsibility. I'm giving you more. And it becomes more defined. Our lives become more and more defined. And the purpose, the idea of, like, what is the purpose for my life? If you want to know it, you've got to know God. And the more you know God, the more you're going to be able to define and say, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's the same way we start with this covenant with Abraham. start with this one guy, Abraham, you know, and I'm going to build this nation and, and it's going to grow out of that and become that and over time it's going to be called the church and Gentiles come in and I'm going to draw all people back to me. But it starts through every other covenant that we do. It's, it's the fact that the consequences is that John three sixteen happens. You know, we love this verse. It's the verse that most people memorize. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. That's his breath upon us from the Abraham covenant. That is the confirmation that I'm in this to be a blessing to all nations. I'm going to draw all people back to me. I'm going to reveal myself to them. This is to be my son, Jesus. And that happens because way, way back in the day, God made this covenant with a guy named Abraham. But this is how stuff that we love about the New Testament grace and love and God and, and salvation and all these different things and see that their roots and their foundation comes from God's covenant grace all the way back then. And th- there's a reason that back then God sent in Jesus all of a sudden like right after the fall. He was building an understanding of who he is. He was going to go a little bit more in depth and he was 